everyone. I hope you are staying healthy and safe. This podcast episode comes with a video interview. If you would like to watch the video interview, you can find the links of the interview in my episode notes. You can watch it either through my YouTube page or my Facebook page called Words of Heart Podcasts. However you choose to listen to it, I truly hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Words of Heart. In today's episode, we have the privilege of speaking with Allison Arkoff. I may have mispronounced your last name. Um, thank you for joining me today, Allison. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And it's Arnoff. Arnoff. <laughs> My apologies for mispronouncing it. <laughs> So, Allison, if you could tell my listeners a bit about yourself, that would be great. Yeah, well, you know, just just quickly, right? I'm I'm an executive coach, uh, work for myself, uh, and you know, my story while we're here to talk about is in uh, in January of 2020, I, I had a hysterectomy, and while I was recovering from that. I finally was able to get on my bike and I'm, I'm a former triathlete, you know, so an easy bike ride and I started having chest pain and uh, one thing led to another and I found out I had to have open heart surgery in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we knew that I had a bad valve, but it was checked every year and every year I'm told it's good and won't be an issue for decades and somehow between August and um, May it failed. So I had to go in the hospital for uh, open heart surgery for valve replacement, and it didn't quite go quite well. Uh, unfortunately, I they couldn't get me off bypass. I was on uh, on the table for nine hours, and they had to put me on a device for six days, put me basically keep keep me unconscious for six days to heal my heart to heal. And then when they took me off, by the time I got out of the ICU, I, I lost the ability to walk. I couldn't even feed myself. And then when we, they started rehabbing me, we found out that my foot had dropped. And so not only do I have to learn to walk, I have to, to figure out if we can get feeling back in my foot. And then I was back in and out of the hospital three times, more surgeries, thought I had COVID at one point. Turned out I had three liters of fluid on my lung and my heart and I had a collapsed lung. So I had to go back in for more surgery. And if you've ever had a lung reinflated, it was, I've been an athlete, I've broken things, uh, but that's probably the most painful moment of my life. But uh, yeah, so I spent most of last summer in and out of the hospital and had to you know kind of take my life back and and figure out what what I was going to do to to take my life back during a pandemic <laughs> so that's kind of my, my background yeah wow um I can't imagine um especially having this occur during the pandemic season which has been so of negative um played with negativity and has impacted many of us in some way or another um just to give you some insight into who a bit about me um I got diagnosed with diabetes um at the start of the pandemic as well so um having to go through any drastic change particularly in health related um illnesses of any kind um having to experience that and there be a potential virus that can immeasurably kill you is exactly <laughs> we're on the same wavelength there um is like 50 times more terrifying um in the grand scheme of things but um I 
I guess to quote you in a way, um, my life, I sort of took it in stride, this drastic change that occurred to me. And instead of being negative about it, because many people had different reactions to when I got diagnosed, but um, I saw it as a blessing and God's way of giving my life more purpose. And it basically changed my whole perspective as far as foods and how I look at my own life. And I've just used it as sort of a way to change all aspects or explore different interests. And I've been going through this like sort of mantra, which as an athlete, I'm sure you have plenty of mantras that you live by as well. Um, I've personally been going through this mantra of being a warrior for change, um, courtesy of my diagnosis, because if I hadn't been diagnosed, I could have died. Um, so I definitely um, can relate to you um, as far as having to go through a drastic health change during the pandemic. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a few things, right? It's also having to get dropped off at the curb at the hospital and then wake up after six days completely. I mean, I'm hallucinating, I'm freaking out and nobody I know can be there, right? So there's no, there's nothing that's normal. And and then couldn't, you know, so that was the, the, the toughest time is I had to get dropped off three times at the hospital. And um, that that was, you know, you, you know, nobody can, nobody could see you. And so that was, the, the hard thing. And then when you come home, you, you know, I don't feel safe going to rehab. I mean, I'm high, high risk at this point. And so we had somebody come to help me with rehab and I felt really uncomfortable having someone touching me and over me during the pandemic. So I figured, you know, I've been an athlete my whole life. I know my body better than anybody else does. So we'll figure it out. And I stayed within the, the doctor's guidelines, but I, um, you know, one of the things that was really powerful is I came home on a walker. I couldn't even make it to the bathroom when I came home by myself. And in fact, once in the hospital, I was a little delirious and thought I could walk and fell and almost cracked my chin and my jaw, broke my jaw. So fortunately I didn't. Somehow I landed the right way. And so I really had to start over. But the second day with the walker, I just decided, I am just like you decided you're gonna use this as thing. I made that decision that I am not gonna be walker girl. And I told my, boy, my boyfriend, I'm like, no, I'm not using the walker. So I literally held his arm you know, he was my support. And sometimes I was going two houses and three houses and then around the block. And then I was able to hold his hand. And then I was able to walk on my own, but I veer. I said, I look like a drunken sailor. I probably get pulled over for, a, a, you know, looking drunk and he'd have to like tip me back because <laughs> I veer. And um, I was able to, to rehab my foot myself too and, and, and take it back. But you, you have these moments and talking to the doctors, I guess a lot of patients, when they go through what I do, they don't recover emotionally. They, they stay in that, I call it victim mode, right? And, and I chose to be Victor. I decided that I wanted my life back. I had only been with this amazing man a few months that I met, you know, and, and I wanted to see what the life we could build together was. I wasn't done here, I still had work to do. And so I just said, I'm taking my life back. And it was hard and it wasn't easy. You know, from the outside, it looks, oh, she just took it. I mean, there were tears. There were days you want to give up, days you don't want to get out of bed, but you, you, you can't, you know, you can... You can visit those, I, I, you know, I always tell my clients, you can visit those emotions of wanting to give up, but you don't get to stay there. And you just have to say like, you, you know, sounds like you made that choice too. I can, I can say this is devastating and my life is over, or I can say, what, what am I going to, what can I do with this experience? Absolutely. And um, 
Yes, um, I could have said, hey, this is the end of the world, um, but um, compared to the alternative, um, just to give you further um, background, um, until I got diagnosed, um, I had no knowledge of diabetes. Um, neither one of my family had a history of it that I was aware of at the time. I did find out a couple months later that someone in my family had diabetes, but up until that point, I had no idea what it was or the signs. Um, I'm not sure how much knowledge you have of diabetes, so I'll do my best to give you like the text. I know a little bit. I know there's two types and yeah, and yeah. Right. Um, um, my type, um, I haven't actually identified it. Um, I've been diabetic um, for about a year because um, it was at the start of the pandemic. So I've survived a year being diabetic during a pandemic, yay. <laughs> um, but I've been treating it as type one um, to be more specific, but that's not what specific type I have isn't definite. But um, before I got diagnosed, it was a real, probably the most depressive time of my life. Um, I was basically, I think there's a scientific term, but I'm just gonna break it down this way. My body was basically eating itself from the inside out. Um, I couldn't keep anything down. It was just really terrifying and scary. I was basically a skeleton. Um, my family cried pretty much every single day. Um, I was in school, so um, that was a bit stressful as well because I was sick and I still had school. I had just turned 24 um, that November. So everything at that point before I got sick was going great, but then bam, instantly everything just got inevitably worse. And I woke up every single day thinking this could be the last chance I wake up or, oh, I should just end it right now because it was just so unbelievably devastating the amount of pain I was suffering and there was no explanation as to why that was happening um but just because I'm I'm a Christian so I have really strong belief system and I knew <laughs> there was a reason even though I didn't see it quite yet um and the reason was obviously my diagnosis um I did pass school during my sickness, so that was another blessing. But um, um, everything, all the circumstances and experiences I undergone, um, particularly in this season, um, just like you, um, you've had to go through a drastic change with your heart and walking and having to be dropped off and no one to be physically be able to be there with you. Um, because I feel like it's really hard for us to go to a hospital um, during this time and not have anyone to be there with us to support us as like a clutch or a shoulder. Um, because being in a hospital is terrifying enough, but now there's a virus. So you really want that support system close yeah. by, but you physically can't have that. So um, I totally lost train of my thought process <laughs> here, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, when these things happen, I think, you know, what's really interesting is they give you a chance to kind of look at your life and how, who you want to be. It's funny, you you probably changed your diet and were healthier after that. When I woke up, I'm like, I almost died. I get chocolate and I get as much chocolate as I want. <laughs> now I'm focused on getting in shape back. You know, I lost, I was, you know, I lost all the muscularity that I had um, from the, you know, so I'm trying to build that up right now back up. But for a while there, I'm like, I get chocolate. <laughs> 
now now it's back to okay back to healthy eating and portion and 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 you know being because your body you know your body you know food matters and so i we, we watch what I eat, you know, on weekends, we have some fun um, and try to be good to your body. But these, these events change you. Like, it's funny though, a lot of people ask me, you know, how does, how are you different? And I wrote an article about it. And I was very lucky that I was someone that had lived, had been living well until then. I've traveled all over the world. I've been a nationally ranked athlete. I've made a lot of money. I've lost a lot of money. I've, I've been, you know, to work for great companies. I have great love in my life, amazing family. So it wasn't like if I didn't make it, I would have had all these regrets. Um, but I do, I do know that there were some things like my friends and family, I am overtly uh, uh, expressive about my emotions now. And my poor partner gets to hear it all the time. I will let everybody know how much I love them, miss them, think of them, care about them. I, I don't text as much anymore. I pick up the phone more and call and that's partially the pandemic trying to you know don't want the pandemic to take away connection but i think for me one of the biggest things is i have uh i've always been expressive but I, i'm like expressive on steroids now because i don't want anything to not be said i don't want anybody to not know how i feel about them uh care about them or you know whether it's my partner making sure i have a glass of water next to the bed at night or just someone calling to say how are you i i, I definitely let them know that every bit of it is appreciated because I almost didn't get to do that again. Right, and I think um, considering the season we're in, um, we really cherish um, every single interaction we that come across that we come across ah, that we come across. Um, for you, it's your partner and your family, and simply saying "I love you" is more powerful than ever now um, because you don't know the next time you're going to be able to say that. And um, this season really has brought many changes for us as a world and a society. And I feel unity and connection with one another has been really massive during this time. Yeah, I get my second vaccine shot on Monday and two weeks later, I get to jump on a plane and see my mom. And I haven't seen her since you know Thanksgiving of 2019. And so, you know, she had to go through almost losing her baby girl and not being able to see her, but my mom's in the high, you know, too old to travel during COVID uh, on a plane. So uh, I can't wait for that hug. That's gonna be the, the best hug. My friends are like, we can't wait to hug you after the vaccine. I'm like, my mom gets my, outside of my partner, my mom's the first other person that gets to touch me. <laughs> oh. And I'm saving my first hug for my mom. Yeah, so I can't, I can't wait. It's gonna be, and then my friends, I told them, you know, once we're all vaccinated, you know, I'll hug you, but you gotta know I'm gonna hold you for a really long time and I'm probably gonna cry. And this isn't gonna be like a nice to see you hug. This is gonna be a full heart, full body uh, hugs with every person that I, I get to see, but mom gets the first one. Oh, as it should be. That's so beautiful. Um, I haven't had a chance to get the vaccine yet, but I've really smart been quarantined to my house and everything's conducive to online. So um, plus I'm part of that factor that if I do get the virus, my chances of survival are really, really lower than everybody else's. So it's pretty smart that I'm conducive to my household. Um, but um, once I do get the vaccine, I'll be going hug crazy on everyone <laughs> because I do enjoy that physical touch aspect. So, but um, I'm yeah, really I, I, I'm I'm kind of high risk. I'm kind of not a valve replacement isn't like an organ that can't be rejected. 
but be, but you know, but it's still smart to assume I'm higher risk. And so I live, you know, we, we get together with people like in my boyfriend's backyard at a big table, we sit far apart. Um, and the only other human that we've been inside with has been his mom, but we've been very uh, respectful of the potential of the disease and what it can do. Like, I don't want to find out if, how, how it's going to affect me. And we have to be careful just because you have the vaccine, you know, it's not hundred percent. So I'm not going to be still going to be going places where if I see friends, it's friends that I know are being cautious too, not friends that are out at the bars or doing things like that, right? They're still, we're, we're not out of this and, and people like you and I need to be a little extra careful. Right. Um, I completely agree with you. Um, I haven't been to any massive, massive gatherings um, because as you just emphasized, we are of high risk and um, some of my friends, um, believe it or not, have trouble understanding my need for being quarantined um, because they're really social creatures and they have a tendency to hang out in social gatherings that are like 30 or 50. And if you're like me, yeah, those aren't good odds. Um, so um, I completely respect um you staying cautious and respecting the boundaries just like I've done um, as well, so. Yeah, when friends have, I've been invited to things like a friend just said, we're having like a pre-Oscar thing and everyone's gonna have masks. I said, you know, I don't know your other friends and I don't know how safe they've been. I don't know if they're running around. And so I think I'm just going to, you know, just say no at this point. Uh, we only are socializing outside at a distance with people that we trust. The people, you know, people that know that if they could kill me, right? That literally, that's the way you have to treat it is that I can't put Allison at risk because I could kill her. So, I mean, it's, it sounds like, you know, overly dramatic, but if you think that way, it, then you stay safe. True, and it's not that dramatic. Um, and we mentioned, we touched on this a bit earlier about our bodies and how we understand our bodies. Um, we have probably maybe, and I'm just gonna, I'm not a scientist, so I'm just gonna guess here. We might know our bodies about 55% well um, in all actuality. Um, other people might think they know their bodies 100%, but that's not entirely true. So we really do need, it is in our best interest to take care of it to every um, capacity and be smart and safe and take the right precautions. And because that person could kill us. Um, yeah, well, it, and I'm a great example. I was a fit, healthy, active person who got blindsided and had to have open heart surgery, right? And then, and then because I was so fit and healthy, they thought that it would be, you know, cakewalk for me. And then I had that complication, right? So you never know, right? I'm, I'm, you know, you know, they think I'm also an asthmatic. So they think my asthma was making my heart weak. That's why they couldn't get me off bypass. But again, from the outside looking in, I'm, you, you would never think A, that I would have to have heart surgery or B, that I wouldn't just sail right through it because of how fit. So you, you don't know. And so I'd always rather uh, be safe because, you know, I still got a lot to do here. I, I'm not going to get taken out by... <laughs> What's up with the virus, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I do have an icebreaker question for you, as I mentioned um, before we got started. Um, if you could have any superpower that's not flying, what would it be? Hmm. 
it could be anything just a I'd like to be able to teleport to places so like I want to go see my friend in Europe in, in Ireland I could just go I could just be there so it's not really the flying it's the teleport that I can go and just be and you know I'm, I have friends all over the world that I and I don't you know I would love to just be able to teleport uh and go there I don't I don't need to be unlimited strong or see see through walls or anything like that I really I think connection is is something I'm craving right now so I think to be able to just you know teleport to uh to whatever location I want to be in to see my friends and family would be fantastic that would be an amazing superpower um I usually have a go-to one but I got a new idea recently so I'm going to share that um, if I could have any power, it would be the power to have this podcast heard across other galaxies that have yet to be discovered. That would be cool. That would be cool. There was something in the news with last week or the other about, you know, more like UFO or, or, you know, other things. So who knows, who knows what's out there, but yeah, I think for me, uh, yeah, I would love to have a superpower that can help and heal and all of that. But right now I think connection is is the number one thing that uh, for me. I think connection is like a helping power still. So I think you still fulfill that in helping others, just like this conversation is gonna help someone. We all, every small thing helps um, to help make this crazy world run a little better. Yeah, I know that my story, again, for me, I never thought, you know, well, that's not true. The first couple of weeks, I wanted to give up. The first couple of weeks, I didn't, you know, to be honest, I, I often thought, why did they save me? I didn't see me taking my life back the way I have. But um, no, now I just lost, lost my thought. But I think that if this story can inspire someone, because the doctor said a lot of people give up, because this was a big, you know, and, and yet, you know, for me, you know, two months after my last trip to the hospital, I was able to bike 20 miles which is a, an easy ride for me, but, you know, and, and three months later I was hiking at 6,000 feet and four months later, I was back out in the open ocean. I'm a stand-up paddleboarder uh, out in the, uh, just cruising out there looking for dolphins and whales and I'm on a racing board. So it's very skinny. And I didn't know with my drop foot or my leg, the leg strength problem, if I'd ever get out there again. So I just, I hope that people can understand that you can get knocked down. You can literally have the legs knocked out from under you and you just, just keep the step. Just take a step. You know, today I took two steps. Yesterday I took one. Tomorrow I'll take three, and that you know, and then just and then to have a have a support. I mean, I think the biggest thing is uh, on any journey, what you know, is to have support of family or friends, a partner. I'm I'm very lucky to have the best partner in the world that uh, would not give up on me and not let me. You know, the days I didn't want to go for a walk, it would be like, come on, we're going. <laughs> and and so you know you need you need someone to push you when you can't push yourself so I, I hope my story helps people realize you can go through something really bad and you can take your life back I literally was it March I hiked part way down into the Grand Canyon and back yet you know how many months before I was using a walker you know you can you can take your life back you just have to decide to do it and then just take action and once you decide to do it your body your heart your spirit kind of all takes over once that decision's made oh so beautiful oh that's so beautiful I'm like gonna get emotional here because that's so true uh, um it's just you decide it already happened right you just decide that and then you just then it's like okay then you do the steps but it's not always easy and I don't I think what I don't want people to think is that 
it was like a easy every step was better i mean there were there were cries i still get ptsd uh, i still you know but you know if if i can't watch anything in the hospital scenes or all of a sudden i'll just have a flashback of how you know knowing i almost died and and all of it so it doesn't go away but it doesn't become the dominant story right it's like you know your 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 diabetes is part of who you are and you can use it for good but you're still Dion, and you're still all these things, as well as a person with diabetes, and it doesn't have to become your whole story, but yet you can use your story to inspire others too. Absolutely. Oh. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, and I'm like really getting emotional as we're talking. Um, but we're at the end of this awesome conversation. Um, do you have any social plugins to tie in before you wrap up here? Yeah, you know, one of the things I love doing is helping women find their voice. Uh, I work a lot with women entrepreneurs, you know, whether starting your own business or corporate. And so the, the one best way to, that I help people is I started a Facebook group called uh, Confident Communication for women leaders, founders, and entrepreneurs. So if any of your listeners are looking to get started on their own business or in business and feel like they're not getting their voice heard to join our group, I have guest speakers of really amazing women that share their tips on uh, confident communication. We're just launching that next month and lots of ways to, to help people find their voice. Because once you have your voice, like you have your voice with the podcast, you can make an impact. So confident communications for women leaders, founders, and entrepreneurs. I'd love to have any of your listeners join and, and help them help them get their voice heard. Beautifully said, and that's so, so true. Um, we all have a voice and we should find a way to use the power in us to share it in some way. And if you're um, confidence group or confident entrepreneurs, I hope I didn't mispronounce that, um, could help someone find their voice um, then that's absolutely remarkable. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why people are in their head and that's why they can't find their voice or they let other people uh, not, you know, stop them from having the voice, but, you know, join our group and we'll get that voice heard. Beautiful. Thank you for joining me today, Allison. It was a real, real honor. Oh, I'm like so emotional. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so glad we were able to connect and, and uh, I enjoyed our chat as well. Thank you. To all my listeners, stay healthy, stay safe. Um, if you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to me or if you would like to join um, Allison's Facebook group, as she mentioned, um, do not hesitate to do so. And until next time. Bye. Hello everyone, it is your heart warrior Dion here. I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of Words of Heart. If you liked this episode and would like to leave a rating slash review, please do not hesitate to do so. You can leave the review slash rating on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. In addition, if you would like to let me know right away your thoughts on this episode, you are also welcome to leave a voice message right here on the Anchor app. I hope you enjoyed this episode and have a wonderful day.